You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded Player of the Month February, and uh, hopefully by next month we'll be at another platform or at least under another brand and uh, but we'll still go on with the player of the month and all the other articles that we have and and all the other podcasts that we have at eyes on the price this is patrick bexel and i need to change name because we have a mr drake and mr book with us um both you know things that are you know alive or uh, or uh, a, a subject um whereas a very no one famous really subject in my is. case <laughs> so We're mr doing Drake, terrific. how are you terrific man terrific perfect tank game last night loved it with, with some good goals and everything going on as well mr book how are you doing sir i'm good uh the uh reports of uh eyes on the prize's demise have been greatly exaggerated yeah <laughs> You'll we'll, never we'll, know we'll, what happens until it happens, right? But uh, yeah, for for anyone who's who's listening who doesn't know, well, there'll be something. You you haven't heard the last of us yet. Uh, for some of you, that might be a good thing. Some of you, that might be a bad thing. But uh, yeah, stay tuned because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the top 100. I'm I'm in the top 100 <laughs> on Apple Podcasts right now. I was already talking to you guys about that before the show. So everybody go into your podcast apps, uh, Spotify, Apple, whatever you use. Just search for bottom six minutes. You'll find me in there. Top 100 on Apple. Fantastic picture as well. Until we figure something else out. Let's be honest with that. It's a good picture, isn't it? I think that was about (laughs) uh, six or seven years ago at uh, Trash Bar in Montreal. (laughs) I forget what show I was at. Um, Let's say I probably had a few adult beverages. Yeah. Well, don't drink and drive, as I always say, but but party as hard as you well, can. You're not you're not driving in Montreal at night, anyways. Uh, trash bars up over on the Saint Laurent, which is like a nightmare. If you're drinking and driving over there, I mean, you're gonna be stuck in bumper to bumper traffic the whole time. It's, it's really a waste of your night. Why would you do we're that? Having, we we have some really important news just breaking. <laughs> we'll be joined by the fugitive. No, not sure where he is at the moment, but he will join us shortly. And uh, yeah, it would be brilliant to have all four of us here uh, for the podcast. Uh, He's in a jail cell in Eastern Europe somewhere. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I, I saw him the other day and uh, he looked healthy. He was uh, as fast in his mind as he was on his feet. Anton, can you hear us? I can hear you. The fugitive is here. How are you doing, sir? I'm fine, thank you. And, uh, uh, where are you at the moment? Or in in at the moon in orbit or somewhere on Earth? No, I'm in, I'm in Sweden actually. I'm in the very south of Sweden. Just got back from uh, you know traveling across Sweden last week, so all good. Mm-hmm. Going going away again on on Saturday though. We, we have to mention one thing, Anton. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time you and I went to a hockey game together, uh, yes, COVID broke out. Yes, and then this time we went to a hockey game together. We got the news that Habs Eyes on the Price was cut by Vox. Yes, yeah. yes. Apparently, we are not. Uh, we should never go to a hockey game together, because uh, after this, the world we, we... changed us to the to the worst. <laughs> whenever we do, or or is it third time the charm? Uh, well, we. I, I mean, do we want to risk it? Maybe, <laughs> may, maybe someone dies. I don't know. Like it, it's very scary what happens when you and I go to a hockey game. Yeah. Maybe you end up in jail. We don't know. 
Well, that would be a good thing for the world, probably. <laughs> well, uh, we're here to talk about the uh, players of the month, uh, and uh, we're going to start by. Well, in some ways, I want to start with the honorable mention for Montreal Canadiens, but, but <laughs> because that has been a revelation, but we'll keep that for, for, for uh, after. You guys have watched more of, of the Montreal games than I have this month. Uh, Kirby Dak is the, the uh, player of the month, and he has really stepped up, though. And it's been something we wanted to see, and now when it happens, everything breaks out in all of Montreal media again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it, it's a good thing. Kirby Doc playing well is a good thing. Um, it, it's it's funny how even with all the injuries and with the team struggling, uh, although January was a better month than December, <laughs> obviously. Um, but it, it's funny how there were, there were a lot of standout performances, and that's what you want, I think, <laughs> in this kind of season. You want the team to not win too many games you want them to be entertaining and you want the young players to play well and and kirby doc is establishing himself as a top six nhl player which is great because that was the hope that he would uh that 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 was the hope of the organization of fans when he was acquired and and i think that right now this team is in a place where it's it, it can count on right now two really good young centers in in Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc and, and I think that that is you know Kirby Doc performing away from that top line is a really good sign as well and mm-hmm. not not that the top line is really together anymore because Caulfield is <laughs> Cole Caulfield's hurt and, and Nick Suzuki is you know carrying um you know some players who weren't in the NHL a little while ago but we'll get into one who's very good in a, in a few moments but yeah i think that this is the best case scenario for the canadians and you know they have doc locked into a really good contract as well so you know if if he establishes himself as a top six forward that's um mission accomplished for the canadians this year i think and and looking like yeah, a good, I mean, good uh, win in the trade department as well for sure it's it's making that trade look way better uh it, it's still early right i mean it's, it's gonna be hard to say we, we gotta wait and see what, what happens with Frank Nazar over in Chicago. But uh, like for now, it definitely makes that trade look pretty good. And like I railed against the idea of taking him off that top line with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield for a while, especially at the start of the season, because the team just looked like shit whenever that line wasn't together, right? They looked horrible. And Jared's 100% right. We want to see young players take a step forward. We also want to see some entertaining games. And like anytime they separated that line, the games got brutally not entertaining. Like immediately, it was far worse to watch. Um, it, it was difficult to watch some of those games, but now half the fucking team's injured and he's pushed over to center and you see him performing well at center. And absolutely. That's a huge win for the Montreal Canadiens moving forward, because if he can really play center regularly and be like a number two center for this team, you know, I, I think a team that has Nick Suzuki, Kirby doc, and then Owen Beck at third center down the middle in the future. I think that's a team that you can win with. If you can build around that uh, and you can get the right wingers in the right positions around them, I, I think you absolutely, Absolutely have a potential winner on your hands there. You got Nick Suzuki, who's pretty defensively responsible. We know exactly what they can do offensively. He's going to be with Cole Caulfield. They just need to figure out who's going to be the other winger. They got to figure out who works best with Kirby Doc on that second line. And then if Owen Beck does, in fact, you know, ascend into that third line center role, 
who's going to play with him is the, the last thing that they need to figure out. And I think, you know, the draft is going to help solve some of that. Graduating some prospects is going to help solve some of that, but having that, you know, spine down the middle of your roster like that is, is a, is a really good sign for the rebuild. Uh, it's going to set them up for competition for a while, I think. Um, yeah, so you, you, you obviously got yeah. to mention that uh, Matt didn't, didn't mention Leo Carlson as a future center either. No, exactly. Exactly. Future fourth liner. We Leo don't Carlson, know. Apparently. Uh, we don't no, know if they're getting Leo no, Carlson. No, I was going to say. They're getting like, Connor Bedard, man. Yeah, of course. And Matvey Mitchkov with the Florida pick. And he's going to come over in 26, yes. right? No, no, but it's interesting because um, basically, like, Montreal has been looking for centermen for, for so long, right? And Jesper Kotkaniemi uh, wasn't the solution. He's He got, you know, shipped out for a first-round pick. That first-round pick was used on Christian Vorak, who was signed, you know, he was already signed to a team-friendly deal. But, you know, Dvorak is always, at least in Montreal, um, in a Montreal jersey, is looked more the, like a third centerman than a second centerman. And obviously Kirby Doc coming in from uh, from Chicago with all the potential in the world, but he hasn't really made it stick. The exact same measurables as Kotkaniemi, for example. Um, and, you know, gets pushed to the wing and performs really well and just builds up his confidence. And now that he has to actually be one of the leaders on the team, he's kind of ready for it. And it didn't actually take that long. And once again, I mean, we can look at this team now and, you know, it's, it can kind of be seen as a lost season with all these injuries and everything. But, you know, it has to be said for for the coaching staff that it feels like they're building up these young players to actually be ready to perform when needed. We see the AHL guys coming yeah. in and, and Kirby Doc is the same. You know, this is a guy who wasn't um, wasn't performing as a third overall pick when he was in Chicago. And we see Jesperi Kotkaniemi, for example, to make that comparison again. He he was also a third overall pick, maybe drafted a little too high. Maybe Kirby Doc was the same. But, you know, you change the environment for Kotkaniemi to Carolina, which is a much better team than Montreal. And he doesn't really make it stick there either. But Doc, you know, he, he gets pushed into uh, one of the, you know, worst ro worst rosters in the NHL and he performs really well and now he's start to score as well uh you know he he signed to three more years after this one to a, to a team friendly deal that's perfect indeed it is and and it's always good to see these young players uh using the opportunity of changing team getting into new environment and and obviously seeing Martin San Luis impact on Kirby Dak and and how he uh helps him develop further because I would assume quite a few thought that he had stagnated in his development and he was a, a pickup in that regard and hopefully something would happen. But we've seen Martin Saint-Louis having impact on, on most players this year as well. Um, honorable mention though, Rafael Javi Pinard, fantastic debut on in, in his in these um, what is it, eight or nine games over, over January. Seven. Right? Seven, seven games, yeah, seven, and and four, four, four goals, right? Five, five. <laughs> five I, I, I was going to ask Matt about that. Are you going to start now campaigning for Rafael Arvidinal to score forty goals this season? Now that Cole Caulfield you know, is in your... if if they get forty goals out of a guy who spent half the season in the AHL, uh, I will go streaking through the streets of Montreal. I'll go oh, back I to Montreal, see that. start naked down uh, Saint Catherine. So. Um, if he does it, I, I promise you I'll do it. <laughs> Look, Rafael Harvey-Pinard, you know, we 
there was always the talent. You you saw it in Laval. He he was he was an NHLer, and, and I think that if the Canadians to start the season didn't have Evgeny Dadnov, didn't have you know Mike Hoffman, didn't have the the flux of one way contract NHL wingers that they did, he'd be in the NHL to start the year. Uh, he obviously wasn't. Uh, now he's getting a chance, and man he's running with it isn't he uh, it's, yeah. it's kind of it, it's kind of becoming like uh almost like a folk hero right it, it, it's it, the just the, the stretch he's on is just uh unbelievable and obviously he's not going to be a guy who's going to score five goals every seven games that, that's like, not the like thing ryan, ryan, ryan paling yeah well i i mean ryan paling did it in all one game and then he went like yeah. two months without scoring you know two months almost without scoring another goal um but i mean he's doing well in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, you know, he's an NHL player. Good for him. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Rafael Henry Pernard is just going to be a pain in the butt for everyone who plays the Montreal Canadiens. I, I think that's just the way he is. And he's a guy and a guy yeah. who can, you know, he, he's almost like a, a Paul Byron, not in terms of speed or, or anything like that, but in terms of you can place him anywhere in the lineup. Right, you saw you put him on the fourth line of Alex Belzil and Michael Pizzetta, he was scoring. You move him out to the top line of Nick Suzuki, he's scoring. You know, you can put him with Kirby Doc, he'd probably be scoring. Are you talking and, about Arturi Lekkonen 2.0? Not, not quite, but I mean, yeah, that's another compare. I don't think he's as good defensively, obviously, but 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 I think that he's just a guy you can put him wherever you want. You can play him on any line. It doesn't matter if he plays. 15 minutes or 12 or 10 or nine, he's going to give you a hundred percent every time he's on the ice. And, and you see what he's done. Like the fact that he was scoring on a line of Michael Pizzetta and Alex Belzil, like for real, like not to take anything yeah. away from those two guys, but who, Michael Pizzetta has been in the NHL all year and he wasn't really doing anything until Rafi Harvey Bernard joined them. Um, so, I mean, like it's, he's just a, a spark plug. And, and I think that, you know, he gets the comparisons to Gallagher. He was running number 11. He's shorter. But he's not really a Gallagher-type player. Uh, I think he's more of a all-around player than Gallagher is. Uh, but but he brings the spark plug. He brings the energy. That's that's what he can bring to the Canadians. That's what he has been bringing to Canadians. And and I don't think... I, I honestly don't think that he'll play another game in the AHL. <laughs> I think that he's established himself. And I, you saw it when they sent down Belzil and, and Ullinen. Uh, after the game on Tuesday, he's he's moved ahead of them, and and he deserves everything he's getting. And obviously, yes, he's on a hot streak, but I mean, this is the kind of player you can try and develop, and that's the kind of thing. The, the, the Canadians have not developed players like Raphael Harvey Pernard, or even a a guy like you know. Th- there hasn't been guys that have come out of nowhere and been NHLers. There just hasn't. And, and I think in a couple of years, you're going to see another guy like that, in Xavier Simino. I was gonna. Um, I was well. gonna ask you, Jared, about that. Do you think we'll ever see, uh, you know, a short line with Cole Caulfield, <laughs> RHP, and Xavier Simono? <laughs> Maybe even Sean Farrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, put Lane Hudson on defense too. Uh, but uh, honestly, I think it's possible. You know, Simino. Simino is a kind of guy like you don't like. Yes, he's short. But he's one of the strongest players I've ever seen. <laughs> and, like he went into the corner with Curtis Douglas um, of then Toronto, but he's been traded since. He went into the corner. Douglas is six foot six. Simino is listed as five foot six. He comes out of that battle with the puck, 
and gets the primary assist. Like he's just you you talk about a guy who plays above his height and, and that's what Simino does. And and I, I think there's an NHL there as well. I don't think he's gonna be there as you know, Rafael Harvey Pernard what took three years in the AHL before he became the NHL player that he is right now. So yeah, I, I think Simino can make it. I don't think that they'll put them all on one line. Uh but hey Mar- Martin St. Louis is coach, who knows? He might just do that. He might. And, you know, touch on Simono for a second. I was talking about it last night. Like I, when I watched him in junior, I watched a lot of the games for the Charlottetown Islanders when he was there. And I, I'm talking about it in the eyes in the prize chat. And I'm like, man, this guy used to bully people that were a head taller than him in junior. And age probably was a factor there, right? He was, you know, 20 and he's, yeah, he's beaten up on 18 year olds and 19 year olds, but they were way bigger than him. And then Scott, uh, it's a, a video that he took of a fight that I forget who it was. He fought somebody in the AHL that was literally a fucking foot taller. Than him. Like this guy has no fear. Uh, he's absolutely one of the strongest players. And it's a good parallel to kind of compare it to Harvey Pinot. Cause I don't think Harvey Pinot has the same game in terms of like tenacity and physicality that Simono does, yeah. but he does a lot of things that make for very successful bottom six NHL players. Right. The Gallagher comparison is because he operates at that 5,000 RPM, like go, go, go constantly when he's on the ice and seems to have a bottomless gas tank. He doesn't look tired at the end of shifts. Like he's, he's flying out there constantly. Like I said, 5,000 RPM every single second that he's on the ice, there is no, you know, waiting and kind of finding that soft ice. He's constantly in pursuit of the puck. You saw that on his second goal where they get a zone entry. He's chasing it down through a, a maze of bodies, by the way. He's surrounded by senators, gets a shot, follows it to the net, and then puts it in. These are the kind of things that make for extremely successful bottom six NHLers. Is he going to score at this rate forever? Of course he's not. But you don't need a bottom sixer to score at that rate forever. You need a bottom sixer to do precisely what he's doing. And right now, because of all the injuries and the fact that he's getting the opportunity to play up in the lineup a little bit, yeah, the production's coming. But that is going to benefit him. And I think, as Jared said, I, I don't think we're seeing another game in the AHL for him. I'd be very surprised if they sent him back. Uh, I think it would take something monumental happening, somebody else taking his spot. And it, he does not look like a guy who's letting anybody take his spot. So... Again, probably not seeing him go back to the AHL. And I think that's for the best for the Montreal Canadiens. They can try him out in different spots for the remainder of the year. Uh, next year at camp, he'll get a legitimate opportunity to win himself a permanent spot, probably in that bottom six. I'd love nothing more in, at next year's camp than to see him on a line with, uh, with Owen Beck. I really think Owen Beck is going to take a, a real stab and making the Canadians roster next year. And he's a guy who's extremely defensively responsible, uh, but can also chip in offensively. So when that transition gets going on the, the other way, having that relentless effort on your wing, whew, that, that's something that I think Owen Beck could benefit a lot from. And um, I don't know, I'm probably looking too far ahead at this point, <laughs> but the overarching point I'm trying to make is that this guy's an NHLer. I think he needs to stay in the NHL. I think they need to give him a real look for the rest of this year. And uh, I, I think we see him win a spot next year too, based on what we're seeing so far far he's doing all the right things and even if that production dries up a little bit it doesn't matter uh those things are what you need from bottom sixers the god of mischief is back and better than ever loki 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 Loki. wow great to see you again critics agree loki season two is marvelous great and it's finally here how much do you know let's assume i don't know much a mind-bending adventure 
spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Indeed, and, and moving on to the AHL where, you know, Rafael Javipinag might have been <laughs> one of the players who we're talking about at this level instead. Uh, just, we, so, so, sorry, Pat, just quickly, we had an honorable mention for Montembeau as well. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we should just say that, you know, Samuel Montembeau is another guy who has really... Yeah. Cost us some yeah. some placements yeah. in in the in the time. Yeah, time yeah, da- da- damn, damn, Montebot. No, no, but it's been <laughs> impressive to see his performance this year because it's something. I remember how how frightened he could look last year, and that basically the team was hanging him out to dry a lot of the times. It felt like that. It felt a lot like when uh, when Caden Primo came up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, his his surge this year has been nothing short of impressive. He looks like someone who could actually be a viable NHL, at least 1B goalkeeper going forward. And, you know, 100%. It's, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really impressed by him. And, and it's going to be fun to see what the Canadians do with him. Yeah, it, it was really hard to not pick Montembeau or Harvey Pernard as player of the month. Mm-hmm. Like, like those are two guys that you can just cheer for really easily. <laughs> and and I think anybody um on staff uh and even you know probably fans would, would would love to to see them get recognized and that's why you know that they were honorable mentions. We don't usually have two. But but I think that you know you couldn't ignore what, what Kirby Doc did. But I, I it was very very easy to to vote for Montembeau or Harvey Pernard and you know he's finally healthy. Uh, last year he was playing a lot of the year hurt. He he really sacrificed himself for the team. I mean he he went for surgery like you know two weeks after the season ended, um, and, and he needed it like from December on. Uh, but you know Allen was hurt. Price obviously was hurt. Um, McNiven was hurt when he came up for for briefly. Uh, Primo <laughs> had some injury trouble as well. Like it was just um a mess last year and he he stood there and you know it wasn't a very good team ahead of him and, and now he's he came back stronger and is playing well and i think the team has confidence in him and that's that's a good sign as well and then we move on to yeah. Joel Teasdale um and and uh, someone that really has stood out especially when Anthony Richard was was with the top team uh yeah. still Richard is the the uh, um the star of the show <laughs> goes to the AHL uh, All Star Game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but but Teasdale has really become one of those threats to to build upon as well. Yeah, you know, I mentioned it with Harvey Pinard and and it's just developing players, right? Like like Joel Teasdale. Look how many players have been called up by the Canadians, right? They ju- just you know last game they had Pitlick, Harvey Pinard, Ullinen, uh, Belzil. Um, who spent time in the AHL? So that's four guys right there. Yeah. Um, and then you still have guys in the AHL like Richard who can get a call up, uh, Teasdale who's been playing really well who can get a call up. And, and it's just that there hasn't really been that many times where the Canadians can be like have that many guys. And, and Teasdale has really jumped up well. Like he was a guy who you know didn't have a goal I think for his first twelve games this season, uh, but in his last like eighteen games he has thirteen goals. Uh, all 13 goals he scored this year, and then he's really come on lately. And, and the Rocket needed it. <laughs> the, the the Rocket, you know, I mentioned all those guys who are in the NHL. There's also a lot of guys who are hurt in Laval. And, and Teasdale has really stepped up. And I, just about a year ago, at this time last year, he was working his way back from his second major knee injury 
since becoming a professional hockey player. You know, he got hurt in his first, um, right, right before his first pro training camp, he got hurt, um, missed almost the entire season. The next year uh, was the COVID year and he, and the injury, another serious knee injury ended his season last year. He worked back. He came back just around this time, started on the fourth line with a new coach, uh, you know, with Jean-Francois Hull replacing Joel Bouchard. He had to basically, you know, get, get the trust of a whole new coaching staff. And, and he said to, uh, uh, to the media right before coming back, he's like, I don't mind starting on the fourth line. I don't mind starting on the bottom and working my ass off to get to the top. And, that's just what he's done. You know, he was a healthy scratch at times mm-hmm. this year. Um, and he's just been playing very well and has established himself as a potential call-up. And, and I think that with guys like Harvey Pennard and and Pitlick and, you know, guys like that in the NHL, the Rocket need guys like that. And, and to see him step up um, in a role where maybe in the past it would have been maybe an AHL veteran, uh, a guy on an AHL contract, uh, he's stepping up and and really showing what he can do, and, and I think that there's a, a potential for him to to get an NHL shot. Maybe not this year, because of you know all the bodies that are still around. But uh, I, I think that you know he's going to get a a look at training camp, and you know he's another guy who can come up and surprise, and and that's what development is. Like I remember beginning of the year, people were looking at the Rock and were like, oh. You know, Gooley was in the NHL. Jack, I was in the NHL. Barron, Harris was in the NHL. Um, And then, you know, Barron was in the AHL. Uh, And there there weren't any really top prospects in Laval. People are like, oh, there's no prospects in Laval. Like, who who are these guys? Well, you're you're, you're learning who they are now, right? They're they're the Belzils and the Harvey Pinards and the Ulanins. And those are guys who can step up when you need them. And and that's what's been missing. with the Canadians for years and having guys like Teasdale guys on NHL contracts who can be call-ups and playing well in the AHL. That's, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. He's a, he's an easy guy to root for too. You know, like I, I think that the Habs have done a pretty good job over the course of the years, finding some of these players that can kind of, I guess, surprise and, you know, whether they're doing in the seventh round or whether they're doing with undrafted players like Teasdale, I'll, I'll never forget watching the QMJHL playoffs that year where he went on a ridiculous tear with uh, Buena Rando. And prior to that, he was with Blainville-Boisbriand and he wasn't like, he didn't scream, oh, this guy is going to be a future, you know, legitimate pro player. But then he gets into the right situation with the Huskies and all of a sudden everything changes and he had a ridiculous run in the playoffs, uh, earns himself a spot playing for the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, injuries have really derailed his ability to maybe have the same trajectory as, say, Harvey Pinot. But he's on his way now. And obviously, like it it gives me so much pleasure to see him doing well now with the Laval Rocket. I hope he can stay healthy because uh, I absolutely agree with Jared there. I think if he gets if he can stay healthy, I think he has a shot eventually at, at potentially cracking the Habs roster and potentially having a similar role to uh, Rafael Harvey Pinot in the bottom six. Uh, it's another guy that, uh, again, our good Shane as we say, definitely if he gets that opportunity, he's going to be a fan favorite, and uh, you, you got to root for him. So hopefully he can stay healthy for the remainder of this year and uh, keep doing what he's doing. And, and the thing is, what I just want to add quickly is like people are like, oh, you know, you're mentioning all these guys who are bottom six players. If you develop these guys, you don't have to pay for those guys, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're important guys to have. And, and, and I think that, you know, we, we overlook that sometimes. And, you know, I mean, 
Mark Bergevin um, traded a lot of people to, to try and get bottom six players and, and paid a lot of money. Or overpaid um, in free agency for bottom six players. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so I, I think that, you know, developing these guys, and it's not like you're, you're looking at first round picks that are becoming bottom six players. You're looking at, like Matt said, seventh round picks, undrafted guys, you know, that's, that's what you want. Um, you know, if, if just the making the NHL is like found money for, for a lot of these, for, for, for the organization. So I think that, yeah, that, you know, people are like, Oh, you know, what's, what's the big deal. It's like, well, if you don't have those guys, you're going to have to pay for those guys and, you know, find like the Corey Perry's and stuff like that. And obviously, yeah. you know, you might get to a point where you need to get, you know, a veteran presence on that, you know, fourth line kind of thing, but you know, it's not like you're trading for uh Andreas Martinson and you know Dwight King and Steve Ott. Um, you have those guys already. In <laughs> yeah, and, and, and also you have these guys to to maybe facilitate a trade, a better trade Absolutely. for yourself, uh, because you have a a surplus of, of of players in the bottom six. Yeah, we've yeah, seen you, you, we've you, seen teams. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say you can add them to a trade, or it helps you trade a veteran. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, as well. So it goes both ways. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've seen teams like Tampa, for example, trade a first round, a late first round pick, yeah, to go on a cup tier for guys like Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, who then go on to get ridiculous uh, contracts in other clubs because you know they've won a cup. But they are basically, you know, those roster guys, bottom six guys who can eat minutes and and provide you know a spark for the team. But you know, if you can, as you say, Jared, if you can develop those guys yourself, and uh, you know. Basically, these guys like Tisdale, Arvi Pinar, uh, you know, Jake Evans, they're basically, you know, puzzle pieces that you can throw throw around and they can make a line better. Um, they're not the stars who are going to build the team around, but they are important pieces to to have on either a Laval team or, or an NHL team. And we're going to move over to another future bottom six players if he makes it to the NHL, Oliver Kapanen, who is the European prospect of the month. Um, strong, solid play as usual, uh, spiced up with five points in, in was it nine games? Um, I compared it a little bit to, to his season is uh, reminiscent of Jesse Ilonen's in his D plus two season um, with similar kind of, of points per game average around 0.45. Uh, but it also speaks a little bit to the development that he has to, to do if he goes over to Laval after this year, or if he stays in Europe for another year in a, in, in another club, he, he, you saw the kind of player he was or is in the world juniors. And, and it, it is for me, more and more clear that he will turn into a bottom six center, especially with the center depth that Montreal has. Um, it's not a slide on, on Kapanen per se. Uh, he struggles in the face of circle. He needs to build up his physique to, and, and technique in, in that regard. But also, uh, he, he scores in batches. And he's, he's on a team that is a top six team. In his draft plus two year, Ilonen was in a bottom four team. And, and I still rate Ilonen as a higher prospect in, in that regard. Um, I know I'm the only one that follows Kapanen uh, of us four, uh, but uh, Anton, my honorable mention would be uh, someone that didn't have a really good game when we were watching in, uh, yeah. in, in Engelholm. But Autumn Engstrom, um, you, you can explain the, the, the mistakes he did, but he also yeah. had a very good assist at that game. 
Yeah, it's, you know, Adam Engstrom is still learning the pros and cons of, of pro hockey. Um, it's his first year. Uh, and, you know, there are going to be this lulls uh, where he basically misunderstands a concept or something, which happened when, when we were watching him against Linköping and, and it turns into a scoring opportunity for the other team. But the good thing is that it seems like Cam Abbott, his coach, uh, wants him to try things. It's a little bit like when Matthias Norlinder was playing in Sweden that, you know, you have this guy who can provide a little bit of a, an offensive spark and, and provide some assists for you. So you need to be sure that they are not scared of trying a difficult pass or a difficult solution, even if it's in their own zone, because they can actually do it. And uh, Adam Engstrom, yeah, he didn't have a great game. We chose not to talk to him after the game because it just felt like you were going to, you know, in that case, hammer in on, you know, something negative instead of, you know, the positive steps that he actually has taken this season. But uh no, Adam, um, the good thing is that he continues to get, minute, get minutes in Rugle. And uh, yeah, uh, he's still in his you know, draft plus one season. And uh, it would be fun to see what he can do in a Laval team um, a year or two from now. Yeah, and, and let's face it, uh, the, the comparison with Matthias Norlander will obviously be there. Uh, mm. But... He's not as flashy in the offensive no. zone, but he's also much more stable in in the defensive zone. Something we also saw during the World Juniors, and and he earned through the World Juniors uh, more and more time on the ice for every game that he played. He he got trusted more and more, and you see that kind of progression in Rugla as well. Uh, had a had a good game yesterday. Scored a fabulous goal, five on three, uh, being used on the power play. Uh, earning a little bit more of, of, of those top line or, or top opportunity minutes. Uh, it's great to see. Uh, I was really torn about uh, about adding Adam Engstrom, but I think that the, the game against Lenshoping, where he had two huge mistakes in his own zone, two different reads, that was just uh, miscommunication. Uh, one ended up him putting the 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 puck on a, on an opponent's stick. And the other one, uh, he and his uh, line mate crashed into each other and created obviously a huge hole in in coverage. And and then shipping used that as well to score another goal. Um, very interesting player uh, has signed an extension with Rugle uh, earlier this season and will be able to join Montreal for for either NHL time. He can be at rookie camp. I'm not sure that they're going to bring him over to rookie camp. With that in mind, since it's his D plus year, uh, the defensive core looks really strong with the young guys coming up. Uh, there will be other at rookie camps that maybe you want to see a bit more of. Logan Mayu comes to to mind, and and uh, it might be just helpful for him to get the time in Rogla and take a position higher up in the lineup. Yeah, I think he'll he'll probably come to development camp, like the summer. He will camp, definitely uh, be at development camp. Yeah, and, and then you know rookie camp is more of a a thing for the the North American prospects uh, or players who are going to be in in camp, right? So you don't want to bring a player over in August uh, September when you know the seasons are just about to get underway uh, in Europe uh, and take them away from their teams there, uh, unless you really think that they're going to make a push for the NHL like they did with Heinemann and and uh, Norlander in the past 
Um, but otherwise, I think that that's, you know, that that they'll they'll probably, you know, take a look at him in the summer, send him back, and let him let him marinate in in Sweden for a little bit longer. And it's not a bad uh, team to marinate in. I have huge respect right. for 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 Cam and Chris Abbott's development and what they've done in in, in Engelholm and Rugla. Um, the North American prospect of the month is Riley Kidney, uh, and I'm going to leave this to to the experts. Uh, that has watched him a lot, obviously. Expert. Well, thanks for that vote of confidence, Pat. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know why there Riley was Kidney... experts because that's, not, that's definitely not me. It's, this is going to be all Matt. No. Yeah, exactly. It's Kidney... all Matt. Kidney started, you know, he's he's been his almost his entire junior career with the Akadze Bathurst Titan. And man, he was he was the bus driver for them this year. Like they got kind of picked apart after last year's playoff run and, you know, they're a bottom feeder in the QMJHL and he was doing pretty well, but he's the bus driver and it's pretty tough to drive a bus with a mangled engine. And that's what he was doing uh, with Bathurst. It was really, it was, it was tough for them to string together anything positive during the season. So the team smartly makes the decision to part ways with their two biggest assets, which was Jacob Melanson and Riley Kidney. They stack some assets and Riley Kidney gets a fresh start with the Gets No Olympic. And Gets No, by the way, a lot of people are saying, well, Riley Kidney's only doing this well right now because uh, he's on a powerhouse team. They're fourth in the QMJHL. They're behind Sherbrooke and Joshua Lua. So they're not the best team in the QMJHL, but they're close to it now with Riley Kidney. He has taken them to a different level. 22 points in eight games. 16 of those are assists. He's a two-point-per-game player with Gets No on assists alone take out the goals, which by the way, the other day he scored an overtime winner for them. So he is absolutely still driving the bus, but now he's driving a, a, a fresh bus with a good engine. It's got a full gas tank and he's doing extremely well. Uh, uh, he's driving the play. Uh, he's primarily a playmaker, right? He has a pretty good shot, but his where, where he really stands out is he uses like deceptive puck movement and stick handling to kind of open up passing lanes and then exploit them. You're a very good passer. And now that he's got better line mates that he can feed on a regular basis you're seeing the points just explode 22 and eight games it's ridiculous uh they have a legitimate chance at going after the president's trophy this year as a result of acquiring him i think it was an extremely smart acquisition on their part um he's thriving in that situation and hattie i think put it best in the article if anybody hasn't read it go over to eyes on the prize and check out the uh, player of the month players of the month article uh and you'll see what he said is kidney was always kind of projected as maybe third line at best what we're seeing now with Gets to Know with him in the right situation is that he has legitimate top six potential. Is he going to reach that? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I think the only time is going to tell us that for sure. But there is legitimate top six potential to his game. The fact that he's able to create so many plays and create so many opportunities for his line mates, this is something that's going to benefit him at any level that he goes to. I think it'll be very, very interesting to see him with the Laval Rocket next year uh, because they stand to have some legitimately good players for him to play with as well. So it could be similar to what we've seen here with Getz. No, is he going to score over two points per game in the AHL? Probably not. Not many people can do that, but if he does, he absolutely. <laughs> if he yeah, if he does, he won't be there for long. That's for sure. But I think he's gonna get. I, I think he, along with a, a lot of other guys, I talked about this earlier when we were talking about Kirby Doc. You know that the draft is gonna solve for some of the problems in terms of who's gonna play on what wings, and also graduating some players that you already have in the organization is gonna solve for who plays on some of those wings. And Riley Kidney can play both positions. He can play center and he can play wing. I think in the NHL, he's probably going to be best served as a winger. Um, 
And I think he's going to get a shot at camp. I, is he going to crack the Habs next year? I doubt it. I think he's going to go to Laval first. But if they put him in the right situation, Laval, they give him power play time, they give him the right wingers, he's going to thrive there too. This is a guy that absolutely can drive play, and he loves playing off of his teammates, connects plays really well uh, on top of that. Uh, I, I think there's some issues in terms of skating that probably still need to be ironed out. But you give him a little bit of time with Adam Nicholas. We've already seen what he's been able to do with some of the players in the organization so far. I think Riley Kidney is one of those players that you can, if you can reshape his stride a little bit on skating, I think we got a player here that might challenge for top six minutes uh, in the next three, four years. It's an extremely exciting development for Montreal Canadiens fans because, again, this is a guy that previously was projected as a third liner at best right barely missed out on going to the world juniors with team canada as a result of an injury but we get this trade and now all of a sudden we're seeing a completely different side of him um i I would suggest anybody who hasn't done it yet go and check the qmjhl schedule go watch the next gets in the olympic game and i promise you you're going to be noticing riley kidney every single shift every time he's on the ice something good is happening for them and uh man they're going to be really fun to watch in the playoffs too so keep an eye out for this kid uh, the ceiling on him previously was what it was, you know, third line. And now I, I absolutely think that you can say his ceiling is somewhere in that top six. And uh, given the right situation, he, he might be an extremely productive NHLer uh, with the way that he's able to set up plays. Yeah, you know, I, I always had a tough time getting a read on kidney. Like I, I was never, I always was like, I, I, I didn't see that the, the high high end skill that that you would want to see necessarily from a, a top six player. But there was a game on on TV uh, on TV as well uh, a couple weeks ago um, when he was playing Quebec, and he had two power play assists in the first period, I think. And it was you just saw the vision that he has, and I'm like, oh, okay, there, there it is. And, and he kind of reminded me. I'm not. I don't want to say that this is a direct comparison, but he kind of reminded me of, of Nick Suzuki in the way that he yep. can read plays and and make passes. And and that's something I hadn't seen before. You know, even at the World Juniors, he didn't get a lot of ice time. He, he didn't really show that. But when I saw him, <laughs> like Matt said, at Gatineau, um, on that power play, it's like, oh, okay. Now, now I can see uh, what's going on here. And, and it's going to be, you know, you look at the Canadians next year, the Rocket next year. They're going to have Joshua Wall, who's going to turn pro. You're going to have uh, Riley Kinney, who's going to be pro. Um, reports are they're going to sign Sean Farrell. He's going to be pro. There's going to be, a, you know, Philip Machar is probably going to come back pro after after a year in junior. Um, I don't think they'll necessarily send him back to the CHL next year. So you're going to have a lot of guys who are going to turn pro, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys play together um, and grow yeah. together. And, and, you know, some of them will be in the NHL. Some of them will probably be in Laval. Um, and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to see these guys because, you know, as fun as it is, and we mentioned before, like the Harvey Penards and the guys like that, it's gonna be a lot of fun when you're seeing these second round picks and these, these guys who have top six potential, uh, play together and and grow together. And I think it's gonna be, uh, very interesting to see, uh, next year when you see who's coming into the organization, Logan Mayu is another guy who's going to be in Laval probably uh, next year. Yeah, Captain, and I don't know what his contract situation is, or Heineman as well. Pat, yeah. uh, maybe you can jump in here. But um, th- there's a lot of guys who can potentially be in the NHL or, or AHL next year that are going to be really fun to watch. And um, you, you already start to see it. We've got, you know, Caulfield, Suzuki, Slavkovsky, Gooley, you know, guys like that are, are already in the NHL. Uh, but you're going to start to see that 
the second line of support. And, and that's when the Canadians are going to go from where they are now to a, to a team pushing a little bit harder for, for a playoff spot. And, and not to forget, not to forget two uh, additional first round picks, at least two additional first round yeah. picks who, who may yeah, I mean, be you know, able. If, if, if yeah, you select if, Europeans, they could go over and play AHL as well. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, depending who they get, they might get yeah. somebody who can play in the NHL next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, as as well, right? So it's it's going to be very, very. I mean, there's. I'm not going to say this is definitely going to happen, but there's a chance that Slavkovsky starts in the AHL next year, just based on the amount of bodies that you have in the NHL. So I'm not, I'm not saying that he deserves it or that's what's going to happen. I I don't. I think he'll probably be in the NHL, but you know, when you look at waivers and stuff like that, mm. um, there, there's always that, that possibility, but no, I, I think that he'll be, he'll be in the NHL. He might even be that first guy who gets that shot next to Caulfield and Suzuki. I was going to say, nobody puts Mike Hoffman in the corner. So that's the only thing we know. <laughs> well, hmm. well, if you Laval, do, he'll, he'll just block you on Laval Twitter. has a number 68 jersey, everybody. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't, I don't think that Mike Hoffman will be on waivers. Um, but uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up uh, Philip Mashar because I think that brings up a really interesting point. A lot of people, when they talk about Mashar, they I, I think there's a overt desire to have him at some point play with Uri Slavkovsky. I think a lot of people are constantly talking about that. Why? Well, because they're both Slovaks and they've been friends for a long time. But Riley Kidney would be beautiful on a line with Philip Mashar. I watched one of the Kitchener Rangers game the other day, and one thing I noticed, Philip Mashar was always in the right spot, but nobody could put a fucking pass tape to tape for him. He's on the power play. He's in the perfect spot. He likes to hang around in the face-off circle, and he has a rocket from there, an absolute rocket. But every time they were trying to pass the puck over to him, the pass sucked. It was too far behind or too far in front, or they were, they're firing it as skates. Like Nobody was able to actually put it in his wheelhouse. The one goal that he scored for Kitchener the other day, he gets the puck along the wall, and he wheels it up around the face-off circle, and it just fires a beautiful shot off the post and in. So Mashar is having to create his own opportunities right now in Kitchener. They don't have a Riley Kidney. Riley Kidney, as you mentioned, Jared, can absolutely thread it. On the power play, five on five, doesn't matter. You can put a bunch of bodies in the way. He's going to stick handle. He's going to figure out a way to open up that lane enough, and then he puts it tape to tape. He puts it in the wheelhouse. That's why he has 16 assists in eight games with Gets No. If you put him on a line with the Rocket, with Philip Mishar, Philip Mishar is going to have a field day. Because all those passes from Riley Kidney are going to be right in his wheelhouse and he's going to be launching pucks. That is going to be an extremely fun line to watch. I know everybody wants to see Mashar with Slavkowski and I, I get it. It makes sense. And I think they probably would be pretty good together. But I think they need to take the opportunity. They need to give him Riley Kidney and they need to see what could happen. Because you could have something similar to Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield with the way that they are able to connect with each other and the way that, you know, the, the elite passer is able to find the elite shooter and create opportunities. I'm, I'm telling you guys, if they try that out, I, I don't see a universe where that doesn't work. Matt, Matt, you have to stop it now because you're giving us too much hope for the future and that's not good. We all have to well, remember what the future has in hold for us and uh, we'll be back with more information about what happens to Eyes on the Prize in a new format, under new management, or, and if it's still called Eyes on the Prize. But we're glad to have you on and to have listened to this podcast with all four of us for the first time in quite some time. Uh, it's me, Patrick Bexel. Thank you, uh, Matt Drake, Jared Book, and of course, the fugitive Anton Rosengård. Thank you.